0: Welcome to the Building Heroes podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path. Hey everyone, welcome to the Building Heroes podcast, and we are on episode number ninety. And I am excited today to introduce you to Lisa Genza. I love what she does because she's taking a couple really neat concepts and putting them together. And this really appeals to many of us as homeschoolers because she runs Freedom Kitchen. So how cool is that? All right. Well, welcome, Lisa. And I would love to have you tell us your story, your hero's journey of how you got to a Freedom Kitchen. You were telling me a bit before we hopped onto the recording and it is a journey and it is awesome. (laughs) So it is.
1: <laughs> you know, our journeys aren't always logical. And I I tried to make it logical and, and figure it out, right? But sometimes we're just moved in mysterious ways. So it really did start with my own health crisis while I was in corporate America. And I had to reassess my own health and my lifestyle. And so I had a very stressful job. And as a result of the hours that I worked, I Ate and fed my kids fast food and convenience foods. And that's how I raised them. And that caught up with me in my 30s. And I had a number of health issues and had to clean up my diet and detoxify. And that led me to teaching health to really middle aged moms, right? Because I was teaching people who were just like me. So, I had a, a clientele that was mostly middle aged moms coming to me for diet and detoxification advice. And somewhere along the way, you know, I, I've taught in a number of different places, including chiropractic offices. And a chiropractor asked me to partner with him on a commercial kitchen, which led to a cooking school. So, I did not plan to be teaching cooking classes to kids. It is serendipitous how I got here. And at first, Molly, I really thought I am not qualified to teach kids or to teach cooking classes. I'm I'm, I'm not a teacher. Um, you know, I didn't even teach my own kids how to cook. By the time I started teaching cooking classes to kids, my kids were in college. <laughs> and so, um, but there's something about that very first semester that I said yes to teaching kids how to cook. Um, that sparked inside of me and I realized this is where my time needs to be spent if we're going to help prevent the ailments that we see in middle age. So after coaching people for 14 years who are middle age with type 2 diabetes, autoimmune issues, and you know a whole host of other issues, I realized that we needed to get to the kids and help them make better choices so that we can prevent those ailments. So it's kind of a long story of how I got there, but it wasn't like this was always my plan. It wasn't a plan. I do really feel it was divine intervention. And as much as I love to pour into these kids, they have been pouring into me. Oh, I love that
0: so much because yeah, like you're in the corporate world, why would you ever think you're going to be teaching cooking to kids, you know? <laughs> and, and I think so often it's our struggles, our challenges that we come across that we hate <laughs> cuz you know, we don't usually love them, that are really the things that show us the direction that we can go so that we can help other people.
1: Yes. You know, Yes. You know, I realized that, um, food was a big problem for me. I was really addicted. I called myself a carb addict and I knew that I was addicted to sugar, but I was really addicted to refined carbohydrates. And, you know, that's a real thing. (laughs) And, um, the more I researched it, I found, um, it is a real thing. Our brain releases like morphine peptides from carbohydrates and from wheat and gluten, and we get dopamine hits. And what happens when we when we're eating this processed food is that we revert back to our limbic brain because we're in survival mode. And so we lose access to the prefrontal cortex. And I think when we're talking about freedom kitchen, and we're talking about setting people free, we need to free them from the unseen addictions that exist with a lot of the processed food. And so if I can help prevent that in the kids, so they don't get to that point, that would be amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. Because what you really did is you took one of your challenges and flipped it to help somebody else. But, what I also love about your story is you're going on this path that just seems so unlikely and you're, but you're pivoting when you need to. (laughs) And, and, and really sometimes you, as moms, we might think, oh, well, I don't have time to do any of this. Or we might think, oh, I messed it all up with my kids or, you know, whatever. But I think it's like never too late to come into a space that just feels right.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. You're making me feel better because you know, of course I have those feelings of I didn't do good enough with my own kids or I could have done it better. Um, I really sacrifice. Did. Right. We all do as moms. Come on, let's face <laughs> it. We all look back and think we could have done something better. And um, I, I was one of those moms, Molly, that said I don't have time for this. I don't have time for those kids to be in the kitchen with me. I don't even have time to cook. And if I did, I sure wouldn't want them in the kitchen with me because they would just make a mess. I had no patience and felt like I had no time. And now I have a different perspective, of course, because my kids are grown. We we get to look back. Hindsight's twenty twenty. And um, And now I, that's... One of the reasons I love being in the kitchen, teaching the cooking classes with the kids is I have learned to slow down and be present with them. And kids are very present. Um, So it's really amazing when we slow down to work with them, we get to see life through their eyes. Um, My goal now is to not only empower the kids to become personally responsible and independent, and show them how they can also contribute to their family and help. You know, they can get in the kitchen and cook at dinner time. And I mean, I have fifth and sixth graders who cook dinner for their family now after going through my classes. So when the family works together as a unit, which is more common in homeschool families, when the family works together as a unit, um, it, it's it's not as hard on mom or any one person. And I think a lot of households need to to learn that I I I hadn't learned that that my family could actually work together as a unit
0: yeah that's so important and and I think sometimes as moms too is we're trying to do all these things and take our journey and we think we're failing and we think we're way behind because we're not doing all perfectly and then as we get older we're like oh my gosh I I wish I would have known this when my kids were younger I you know (laughs) all this stuff But I think that is one really important thing. And and that is one huge advantage of homeschooling is that we have to learn more and work together as a family unit, because, you know, as soon as you pull them all home, they're all there and you see all the problems. (laughs) But at the same time, um, I still think as moms, we do tend to take on way too much and we tend to want to be really controlling and sometimes we can't just let go and let them experiment and do things you were describing to me earlier um how you ran your cooking classes and how it evolved to that method so yeah yeah, let our listeners know how that works out because a lot of times i think we when we think oh to teach my kids how to cook in the kitchen i have to be right there i have to
1: be you know watching every move and and whatever yeah when i first started teaching them I, it was more like an activity, right? So I lined them all up and then told them what thing, you know, what to do next, what task. So add this to the bowl, you know, crack these eggs. And then I realized these kids really can work independently. And I'm talking even first and second grade, like some of my younger kids, of course, require a little more help, but I started putting them in groups and I create stations. And so there might be a station where there's a food processor, a station where they're rolling out dough. And so clearly, I stand more by the station where there's heat or sharp objects or, (laughs) but I really just now supervise the groups, I set up the stations, and then I have them rotate. So everyone gets to make different parts of the recipe, and hopefully the whole recipe while they're in class. Um, But they work as a group, as a team. And I, I started to extract myself more and more because they don't need an adult constantly telling them this is how they learn to become self-sufficient and independent is to look at the recipe or to ask a peer, to ask someone else. And what I found, there's a distinct difference between the public school kids that I've had in the evening and the de- the homeschool kids that I get during the day and I liken it to the homeschool kids are used to helping siblings. And so they can help. They can help other students in the class. Sometimes their siblings are in their in the class with them in my classes. Um, but they all pitch in and help each other. And it's not like all the third graders go get together or all the fourth graders. They all congregate and they all help each other. And it is the most beautiful thing for me to stand back and witness.
0: Yeah, I love that. Because really, what you're doing is so much of what I teach, too, is that in homeschool, I'm not there to micromanage. I'm there to create the environment where they're going to be most likely to have some success. And I'm there to guide as needed. And, you know, really almost be like their consultant, right? Yes, a coach. (laughs) Yeah, I'm their consultant or their coach. You know, they if they got something they need, they can come ask me. But overall it's like you said they don't need an adult there to hover over everything they're doing and i think a lot of times in homeschool we feel like okay here's your math i will sit next to you and make sure you do every problem and and maybe in some cases that's you know something we need to do to walk them through but what we really want to do is allow them to learn and allow them to make the mistakes And allow them to figure it out because that's exhausting too, to have to be a teacher that way.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, I would agree. You know, I look back now, my kids to this day are like afraid of making a mistake. And now I realize like mistakes are good because there's no such thing. And, you know, I started telling my kids when I started seeing this and when they were teenagers, that's the only way that you can ever course correct. And we all make mistakes or, and they're not mistakes. They're choices that, okay, I don't really like this choice. I made this choice and I don't like it. Okay. You can make a different choice, but nothing is permanent and and it's okay. And so I really have enjoyed getting in the kitchen with the kids because where do mistakes happen? So this is where we get the opportunity to tell them all the time, oh, it's okay, let's see what we can do with this. So we added too much salt today. <laughs> let's see how we can modify this. And and now I also challenge my students with, what if you don't have this ingredient or this ingredient? What could you put in its place? Like we have to learn to problem solve. We have to learn to be creative. And so I structure my classes really around um, courage, creativity, and confidence because it isn't about cooking as it is about having the courage to try something new, building confidence, and then being able to explore creativity, which goes from the kitchen into life. And, you know, I'm probably putting into my classes, everything I wish I would have done with my own kids to, to utilize the kitchen as a lab for creativity to explore different options it's just one area where they can you know really get creative and know that there's really no such thing as a mistake i say all the time okay so this doesn't look like the picture but it's still edible <laughs> so yeah <laughs> That's awesome. it's it's a great place to teach it's a great place for them to learn And if you feel like you have to be in the kitchen next to them, that would probably be exhausting. But if you could set up stations for them and then have them go to each station, like, okay, you're going to do this in the food processor. and You're going to roll your dough out over here and let me know when you're ready. We'll put it in the oven, but give them some space and they'll amaze you.
0: Oh, totally. I mean, my youngest is 11 and There is a huge advantage of being the youngest of seven (laughs) because they got, she's getting. It from all the people telling her what to do and I guess that's also a disadvantage but what it does is it it just kind of builds in confidence because she sees all the older kids doing it so she's like oh so I should be able to do it too this is also a hard thing with bedtime but you know <laughs> like you're not a teenager you have to go to bed but she is one who just gets right in there and just starts cooking and makes amazing things and so Yeah. You know, sometimes you just got to let them get in there and sometimes they definitely mess up things and sometimes they definitely make messes, too. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That is another huge key (laughs) If we're going to be creative. We're going to clean up after, too. Right. Yes. Uh, Fortunately, I do this in a commercial kitchen and not my home kitchen. So but, you know, I'll have 30 or 40 students come in in a day. So thank goodness I have a big commercial kitchen I can use um, because. It does leave a big mess. <laughs> yeah. Well, it won't I mean, be as messy a, at a house with a couple kids. <laughs>
0: but with my kids, I've always just said, clean as you go, clean as you go, clean as you go. <laughs> and then clean up when you're done too. <laughs> it, it's kind of like my mantra. And, and they they do get better at it. And it's not always up to your standard, but they do. They do improve and they do get better. And one thing, um, one fun thing my kids like to do actually is from Food Network, Um, the show Chopped, if you've ever seen that. My kids love to watch that. And I thought, well, okay, well, we're consuming entertainment. Well, why don't we apply it? Why don't we do it? (laughs) And so the kids decided that's what they're going to do. So they'll pick random ingredients from the the pantry because that's what they do in Chopped. They say, okay, you got to use a peppermint stick and... Duck liver, ours is not so fancy uh, <laughs> you know to make a main dish or something. And even though they don't even know how to cook, I am amazed at the creativity <laughs> what they. Wow. Cook but I have to say, I have to really get myself into the mindset. To say yes, it will be okay if you do this with these parameters, and I also tell them I don't even want to know you've been in the kitchen when it's time for me to make dinner. But but it's just that same idea. They're setting up the environment, Mm -hmm. and we're allowing them to experiment. And sometimes they make really awesome things, and sometimes they make horrible things. (laughs) and they're
1: learning (laughs) and they're learning. (laughs) Yes. There's so much to be learned. Um, you know, if we can teach our kids to be thinkers and instead of just following the recipe, and that's part of this class is still reading math, you know, being able to measure things out, following a process. And that's why I say courage, confidence, and then the creativity part, because once they know like what purpose does this serve in a recipe now they know what they could swap it out with and so this is where we get this is where we're not just taking really random items (laughs) and seeing what we can come up with but we're at least saying okay i've got this recipe but i don't have any cashew butter i only have almond butter here or it calls for dried cherries but i really like dried blueberries Now I know I can swap those, I could take a recipe that calls for, you know, pumpkin, and I could put sweet potatoes. So I know how to roast sweet potatoes, and I could put those in place of pumpkin. And so then we'll we'll go from sweet potato pancakes to carrot cake pancakes, because I want them to see in their mind, oh, look, it's really the same thing. And I'm getting another vegetable in there. Or look, we could make sweet potato donuts, or we could make pumpkin donuts. And then, you know, we'll do zucchini noodles, we do a class on oodles and oodles of noodles. And so what I'm trying to teach them first is some foundation and some recipes. We talk about, you know, the granola bar industry is what like a 2 billion dollar industry, it's huge. And the every semester we make a different granola bar in my class. But then we talk about Okay, so in this recipe, we used almond butter. Could we use sun butter? Could we use cashew butter? Could we use tahini? So we bring all that into class and there's taste testing that goes on so that they know what those things are. They know what is tahini? What are sesame seeds? What does that look like? How could I use it? So we're always having this dialogue of how we can swap things out. And I say, now, what, what do you want to go home and create? So they'll go home and make their granola bars, but they'll say, well, instead of the dried cranberries, I put chocolate chips or I put dried blueberries in mine. I made an apple cinnamon. I had one who got a uh, dried apple and put cinnamon and they changed their granola bars to be an apple cinnamon bar. This is, this is brilliant when the kids can think like that and be creative and learn how to swap things out. Which is also resourcefulness and a great survival skill when they can learn. So, I uh, throughout my classes, we talk about what is shelf stable mean, and then what are pantry staples. So, how could I make this from just things in my pantry, and what are good things to keep in my pantry? So, and that's so
0: good too. And we have all these shortages. Yeah. You know, during supply chain issues here. I should clarify, I do also have my kids use recipes. We do cover the foundation (laughs) as well before. (laughs) And I find that sometimes they invite the neighborhood kids over to play chopped too (laughs) when the neighbors don't have uh, a recipe foundation, they definitely struggle more playing that game. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. I, it, I think it would be a struggle if you didn't have something to start with. So yeah, so your kids are super creative that they can just take <laughs> random things and put them together.
0: <laughs> so I want to ask this question. When you have your kids come in to start cooking, do you find that some of them are picky to start with like picky eaters and then you know, as they start cooking it, they get less picky. And do you find that they start desiring more healthy
1: whole foods than the processed foods? Yes. And yes. And yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, typically anyone who's picky, I do have a couple who, you know, there could be some gut biome issues. And so when we've got yeast or candida or, you know, bad beneficial bacteria, we can crave more carbs and sugar. And I do see that already in a lot of kids. And that, that really breaks my heart, because that was me, that's still me with the sugar and carb addiction. And um, that, that can really be an underlying health issue as well. For the most part, when kids come in, and they, they think I don't like this, or I don't like that, it's just because they haven't been exposed to it. So the conversations that we have, in class are, um, did you have to get new clothes this year? Did you grow this school year? Or are you still wearing the same clothes that you wore last school year? And they're like, no, I got all new clothes. And I say, because you grew. So do you think your taste buds grew too? Because they're growing too. So you might not have liked zucchini last year, but we're going to try it this year. And we're going to try it a few different ways. And all I ask in this class is that you try it. You don't you don't have to like everything because we're all different. And I say, look around. Are you all the same? No. Do you like the same clothes? No. Are you going to like the same foods? No. And that's okay. And we're going to honor each and every one of your differences. But I do ask for you to try it because if your taste buds do like that now, you'd be missing out. And you don't want to miss out. And so you know, when you in- include them in a conversation like that and enroll them in the process, and I'll tell you too, it probably helps that I'm not their mom, because when you've got the parent child relationship, you've got all the baggage there, you know, any of the head here, mom's trying to tell me what to do again. And I'll tell you, that's another thing I plan is they are striving for independence at this age. And I capitalize on that. So I say, do you want mom to tell you what to do for the rest of your life? And they're like, no. (laughs) And I'm like, well, do you want mom to cook for you for the rest of your life? And they're like, no, I guess not. (laughs) This is how you get them to think, oh, yeah, um, well, I guess I'm going to have to learn how to cook for myself at some point. And I really don't want mom to take care of me. So I want to learn how to cook for myself." And so when you enroll them in the process, and it does help to have an outside person because my kids listen to everybody but me. So I always always tell the parents, I'm like, just let me be the other mom. I'm never going to make you wrong. They're not going to come home and tell you that you're doing it all wrong. I'm just going to help to build them up. And and when we do that, the kids do try everything. They're so proud of what they created Mm -hmm. and they're proud of themselves for trying it. Even if they didn't like it, they're like, I didn't like that one, Miss Lisa. And I'm like, okay, well, thank you for trying it. And, you know, make sure you try it again, because in three months or six months, you might actually like it because your taste buds are growing. Honestly, Molly, by the time we get to the end of the semester, in the beginning of the semester, I'm enrolling them in the process and asking them to try everything But that's really empowering, right, because the power is still in their hands. By the end of the semester, I'm empowering them to say no thank you to things that no longer serve them. I say, I know now that you guys are willing to try new things. You know how to make things healthy. You know that anything with a number is a chemical, (laughs) not a food. (laughs) And there's going to be some very well-meaning people, including your friends, who say, oh, a little bit won't hurt, you can have this, you are allowed to say no thank you. And I tell the parents, just so you know, I've given your children all permission to say no thank you when something does not serve them because I trust all of them now to put healthy food in their body and they know what their options are. And I don't want them to give in to peer pressure and I tell them to be a leader takes courage and that's why we focus on courage throughout the whole semester.
0: Oh, I love that so much, and you know, just this whole idea of enrolling our kids in independence, in in enrolling them in the idea of being able to make their own decisions is so powerful. And that's definitely something that is going to make our homeschool a lot less stressful. <laughs> we can allow that, and you know, I even love your question. I wrote so much. I wrote it down. He said, "Do you want mom to be?" telling you what to do for the rest of your life and i think that's something they don't really think about and i think that yes having an outside mentor can really help shift that in their brains but i think moms can even ask that too i'm pretty sure you don't want me to tell you what to do for the rest of your life right
1: (laughs) you know i I think that could come across from my mom as well too so The other time that that line is really helpful is when you start explaining to them what MSG does. MSG crosses the blood brain barrier. Nothing is supposed to cross the blood brain barrier. So when those food additives cross the blood brain barrier, it hijacks their brain and it tells them they're still hungry and it makes them overeat. And I'm like, so who at this point is telling you that you're still hungry? So uh, the older kids really do get that. They're like, "Oh. Yeah, I'm like, "Do you want that? Do you want something in your head telling you you're <laughs> to overeat or to eat more of something, especially if it's not good for you? Like this is why we make our own so that we're in control of the ingredients and we know what's in there." And so this is about yeah. them taking their power back. So Yeah, that's such a good
0: principle. So good because instead of just telling them You're asking them questions because it'd be really easy to say, you know, you don't you don't want to eat MSG because it's really bad for you or you need to do your math because it's good for you. You know, instead, we can shift it and just say, do you want to be an adult who doesn't know math? (laughs) You know, ask them, do you want to eat more food? that's not
1: healthy. The best way is to find some way to show them. So I started figuring this out when my kids were teenagers. And so like when it came to money lessons, I would give them the money and then have them make the choice. And they're like, well, wait, so I could spend it on really anything I wanted and not just that. And so I started to realize it's the experience, right? And it's once we give them, once we empower them and we put that choice in their hands. So to liken that to one of my cooking classes, we'll do jello and we'll take gelatin and an organic, no sugar added fruit juice. That's it. And then, you know, some boiling water and the kids will look at me cause I'll have them work in stations. And obviously that takes about a minute and a half. <laughs> and so then I'm like, okay, move on to the next station. And they look at me and they're like, that's it. I'm like, well, yeah, your jello is going to go in the fridge. That, that's it for this part. And they'll look at like the wheels are turning. And I'm like, do, do you have a question? Well, I, I don't understand why, why this is so easy. And I'm like, okay, well, it just takes fruit juice and gelatin. And I still see the wheels turning. And the student looks at me and says, then why do they sell us the instant stuff at the grocery store? Yep. And I said, because they don't think you're smart enough to make it yourself. Tell a high schooler that. And they're like, wait a minute. They don't think we're smart enough to do this. I'm like, and they charge you a lot more. They <laughs> <I> do. <laughs> <laughs> but when you can create the experience to make them ask the question, that's the best. Oh, yeah. And so that's what I strive to do in my classes Often I do end up asking them questions to get them to think. But if I can create an experience that gets them to ask the question, then I know I've knocked it out of the park because that left an indelible mark on them in class because of the questions they came up with. And when they put two and two together, they were all like, say what?
0: <laughs> yes, I love that so much. And it's the same thing at school. You know, when we can show them the experiences or allow them the experiences and then they can ask questions about it and put two and two together, that light bulb comes on. Oh, they've got it.
1: Yes. Yes. I so appreciate. I am so grateful that I've been able to teach homeschoolers now. Um, I have learned so much from the homeschool families. I really see a camaraderie in the homeschool community. It's like the one-room schoolhouse. I, I get the kids in the kitchen. They are more independent, they are more helpful. they they help each other younger and older. They work together in groups. and um, it's just really left such a special place on my heart. I'm I told you my kids are now uh, grown, but one is getting married and one is getting engaged. and so I will probably be a grandma soon. And so someday, I'll be homeschooling my grandkids. (laughs) Oh, I love
0: that. And see, it's just what we were saying. It's never too late. You know, I guess grandkids are are God's second chance, right?
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes, for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, I want to thank you so much for hopping on our podcast today and sharing all these really awesome ideas about teaching kids in the kitchen, but also just teaching kids in life. and. Bringing more freedom into the kitchen by teaching our kids to cook and allowing them to cook. Yes.
1: Yeah. I know it sounds so cliche to say that kids are the future, but you know, I come out of information technology. I was in corporate for a couple decades. And what was lacking in corporate America was creativity. Mm-hmm. And now I can see, like, you know, in retrospect, in raising my kids. I can see where the lack of creativity comes from, and really, I think I'm not only on a mission to create a healthier generation, but I'm also on a mission to create more creativity, and and I can see how we can foster creativity in the kitchen, but I also see where poor food um, really kind of dumbs us down, because it inhibits our ability to use our prefrontal cortex, and so we can't feed our kids junk, which I did. So for every, for everyone listening, please know this is a judgment-free zone. I'm not judging. But I am saying that when we know better, we can do better. And we can't feed them junk and expect them to be creative and be problem solvers and excel. We really do have to feed them, you know, the most nutrient-dense foods. And we don't, everyone says it's expensive to eat healthy. But when we eat really healthy, we actually eat far less.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And really, none of us are going to be perfect. It, it's like you're saying, when we know better, we can do better. But we can't always do the best all the time. You know, we got to give ourselves some grace. We're, we're going on the journey. We're, we're doing the best we can do. And, you know, that's what we can do. And if we need more help with getting healthier foods in our kitchen, man, yes, let our kids cook. So good. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Well, I think our time is about up here, but thank you so much for hopping on and do share with our audience where our, um, they can find you and if you have online classes.
1: Yeah. You know, I did a docu series and I, I did leave it up. It's on food and kids and it's at freedomkitchensummit.com. And then freedomkitchenkids.com is the website about my classes. I do have uh, videos of cooking classes uh, that are streamed online. So.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's a great
1: place to go check out because yes, we don't always want to just turn them loose in the kitchen without some instruction. <laughs> yeah. I hear from parents, the kids take the iPad, you know, into the kid, take me into the kitchen with them <laughs> on the iPad. And I'll probably go back to doing something live um, every Wednesday afternoon where like I'm on zoom. So anyone who wants to hop on zoom with me, um, sometimes it's helpful just to have someone else to talk to for homeschoolers. They like to show me what they've done and, and, you know, feel supported. So
0: that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And and this has been great. Thank you so much, Molly. Thanks for listening to the Building Heroes podcast. Can you help more people join the Building Heroes movement by sharing this podcast? More people can find it subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. For more help on Building Heroes in your home, get the free Building Heroes resources at www.buildingheroesacademy.com.